This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Okay, well, joining me today is uh, Phil Tottle. Phil, we were going to talk, and we are going to talk about the prospects uh, for the 21-22 season, but the sad news over the weekend was the death of uh, somebody who we got to know particularly well in the 80s, former ma- well, former player and former manager, Terry Cooper. Tragic news indeed, wasn't it, when it, when it came through on Saturday evening? Yeah, very sad indeed. Um, and although I knew that he hadn't been in the best of health for some time, uh, it still came uh, as, a, as a great shock. And, and of course, um, to me, uh, there was a sense of loss because, uh, as you quite rightly say, um, we got to know him very well uh, during the 80s uh, in his time as manager in particular. And um, of course, um, I became uh, good friends with him then, sharing the golf course with him on several occasions. <laughs> <laughs> That's a couple of stories that you remember, a couple of stories that particularly stick in your mind about, uh, about, about Terry. Um, well, first of all, I've, I've got to go back to the Freight Rover final uh, or pre-Freight Rover final. And I think you'll identify with this as well. I remember having a long conversation uh, with him after he announced that Clive Middlemas and... Uh, Jock Ray were going to leave the side out at Wembley. And I said, well, you know, Terry, you know, wouldn't it be a proud day for you to lead Bristol City up for, for all that you've done for them? Um, and he turned around to me and he said, look, I've been there with Leeds United. I've been there with England. I've walked out and uh, basically I, I, I want to express my gratitude to those people um, for their work for this club. Uh, so it was almost as though, well, it doesn't really matter that much to me. Uh, it's just a freight rover. And yet, you know, and I know his reaction after they won that cup. Yeah. Because basically, I went to interview him and the guy just broke down in tears. Um, and that is a lasting memory of mine, of, of Terry Cooper because he always used to seem to be the hard man, didn't he? He had a great sense of humour, but he always liked to be in charge, really, in his own way. He wasn't a demanding sort of bloke, but he liked to be in charge. He liked to, 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 to be the centre of attention in some ways. Um, and that moment, I think, I, think, I think we all went, actually. When Terry went, the, the German Des Williams went. And I think we went as well. I, yeah. I know I welled up. 
Um, and you never imagined seeing that from Terry. I, I, I don't know why I felt that, but, but it did matter to him and it mattered to him a lot. And just on a personal basis, I remember doing a game at Lee uh, covering the Oval Town um, on a horrible night, horrendous night. It took me ages to get there. The rain was tipping down. Uh, I don't, <laughs> and it's the rugby league ground. And there's a very steep stand, which I had to scale to be able to plug in my equipment, to be able to broadcast. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden I sat down, I was trying to find my point, and I heard that hee-hee-hee-hee of Terry. <laughs> you, you remember that? Because yeah. um, it was a wicked laugh. And I looked around and I, I couldn't see anyone. And then right, way to my right-hand side, there was this guy with a hood up over his head. And it was Terry. And he said, in his Yorkshire accent, but I won't try to impersonate, <laughs> um, you know, oh, it's too wet to be broadcasting tonight, Tottle. <laughs> yeah. And there he was. And I said, what are you doing here, Terry? He said, I'm, I'm scouting. He said, I'm the overseas scout for Southampton. <laughs> and that was that was Terry. Um, you know, basically, he was so mischievous. You know, he could have easily just walked over and said, oh, hello, Phil. Not him. He was, he was trying to sort of make something out of it. doing it in kind yeah. of manner. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, one other story, very quickly. Um, we were playing golf at Shirehampton. Clive Middlemas, uh, Richard Latham and myself, uh, and one other, who I can't remember who it was, actually. And then all of a sudden, we got to, there's a hole which actually skirts the um, road. And I was down in the bunker, and Cooper arrived on the pavement outside. And he looks down there, and there's that wicked laugh again. Um, you know, sort of... Um, don't take too much sand, Phil. You know, uh, that, that was his sort of humour. Um, and and uh, there are things like that always sort of stick in my mind with him because he never wanted to be serious in those times off, um, you know, off guard or, or off duty. And he was a great guy to be with. No, he was. And he was a good manager because he took over City. He, obviously, he'd had a brief playing career with us. He'd also managed a certain other team as well. But uh, he took over a club that was at rock bottom. In fact, it carried on going down because I think December 82, we were rock bottom. Absolutely. And they got Absolutely. beaten, was it 7-1 at Northampton? But uh, yeah. Yeah. We, rose, yeah. we, we rose like a phoenix. And he, he had a good eye for a player, didn't he? I mean, some of the unsung heroes that he brought in, Forbes, Phillips and Masters, Kenny Stroud, and probably his best ever signing was Alan Walsh, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he got him for a steal, didn't he? I mean, you know, basically how he ever managed to get him for, what, £18,000 um, at a tribunal when Darlington, I think, I, I think I'm right in saying, were looking for something like fifty or £60,000. Um, and, and, well, I, I just don't know how he did it. But, I mean... Um, it, it's strange, though, Dave, isn't it? And I don't know whether you will concur with this, but I always felt that Terry's strength 
for his free transfer or his bargain transfers rather than his big money transfers. Because I think on occasions he came a little unstuck with some of the uh, more expensive players. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. John McPhail was one that he paid money for, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he had, had, uh, although he did well with Keith Curl, who signed and converted him from a winner to a defender. But uh, there was another day that I wasn't there, but it didn't, maybe didn't rank as high as a freight rover, but it was City on the way back. And I know you were there. Um, And that was a game at Chester, because that was sort of got us out of the bottom division. Yeah. and uh, God willing never likely to go back to but uh, what are your recollections of Terry on that day back then oh well I, I mean he was he was just great and 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 again um very modest about his achievements and and um again typical of the man he had persuaded the board and there wasn't a lot of money around at that stage let's let's be totally honest about it that we we all went back to a hotel um uh, on the way back for a, a meal and and a celebration and it was it was absolutely fantastic that we were um, able to mix as we, we we did i mean you you will recall that um during those dark days we had fans on the on the coach going to matches. Well, we used to yeah. travel. You, me, and Richard Latham as a reporter. That's right. Didn't That's we? right. We, uh, you know, and and, Co- and Colin Price um, all went on the coach, um, and and we were all included. And I said yesterday um, when I was sort of having to give a tribute to Terry on on the radio that that basically. Um, he made it a family club. He involved everybody. Um, I mean, you wouldn't get that now, Dave. Let's be fair. You wouldn't ever... How many people ever travel on the team coach now? Press don't travel on the team coach no, now. No, no. They're not allowed to. No. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I'd go back to something I think we said reminiscing um, before, Dave, um, that... that as far as I was concerned, we were all um, a family. Um, and although we had a job to do, um, basically we were able to do that job in, in, in a pleasant way without, if something had to stay off record, it stayed off record. But if we had to, to, to report things, then we had to report things and that was understood. And when you look back to the celebrations um, well, Richard Layson's book launch, for instance, when it, uh, for the Freight Rover book. Um, we all met up two years ago and we were all friends. Everybody recognised everybody and we all reminisced and what have you. Basically, at that time, players had time for the press, press had time for players. I don't think that happens now. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, Terry failed the ultimate uh, goal and we were again we were there for that um again getting the club back up to the championship and you know the warsaw uh you know the warsaw losing at ashton gate winning at warsaw then losing the shootout for the penalty he deserved that success to get us back up didn't he because i mean 86 and 87 we had the two finals in the freight rover i know we lost the second one, but 88, you know, that side, 
wasn't a bad side and it was unlucky for Terry that they didn't make it on that day thanks to that uh, thorn in our side for many years, David Kelly. Yeah, well, I, I, I think how I would sum it up, Dave, yeah, of course, that was very disappointing. Um, but um, for my point of view, I, I feel Terry's lasting legacy is the fact that the club now are in the championship. And had it not been for him and the way that he managed the club back in um, 82, 83, right through, um, then there would not have been a club. I mean, he was very, very astute in the way he went about things. Got to give credit to the board at that time as well, who, who weren't exactly um, thrifty, were they? Um, no. but, but basically, that they put the club back on the footing, and I believe that they have to take a lot of credit, as do the Ashton 8, by the way, yeah. uh, for, to, to, to be able to say where City are today, uh, along with, obviously, Steve Lansdowne. Uh, but, but had it not been for him, I don't think we would have the club that we've got today. No, no, that's, that's true. And therefore, perhaps fitting that uh, responding to uh, a petition that's been launched, maybe fitting that the currently unnamed South Stand at Ashton Gate is called the Terry Cooper Stand. Well, 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 certainly I feel there should be some sort of tribute to him. What that is, uh, so be it. But I, I'm sure that Stephen Lansdowne is also very aware of what Terry did for the club and the high esteem that he was held by the supporters. Um, so I, I certainly hope that they do something. The naming of the stand, there is certainly not a name on that stand at the moment. That, that could well be a, a, a good tribute to him. Yeah, no, a great bloke, gone and absolutely never forgotten, certainly by fans of a certain age. Um, Let's roll the clock forward to the present. I don't think you went to the uh, Villa game. We've had, since we did our last uh, chat, it was Dean Holden was in charge and he got off to a stonking start. I had somebody say, don't want to hear about last season. That's gone, as I did in one of my previews uh, with somebody else, with, <laughs> uh, with Angus, Angus Scott last week. We talked a bit about, oh, I don't want to hear that. Let's look forward. So let's just do that, looking forward. Um, there's been a clear out, but there doesn't seem to be a clear out when you look at the number of players that are there. And we've done one big signing, which is the lad Atkinson, um, who is one of the biggest signings in the championship from the non-parachute payment clubs, even amongst them, 1.6 million. Um, we, we talk about individuals and composition of the side, but how are you feeling going into the opening game against Blackpool. I don't know whether you watched the Villa game uh, on TV. I know you said you weren't going, whether you watched it. And first half, I thought, oh, my word, here we go again. Second half, I came away, Mal and I, we both came away and we enjoyed it. And as we know, watching City for over 50 years, it's the bloody hope that kills. But before we get into the detail, what are your overall thoughts going into the season? My overall thoughts are that I, my expectations aren't high. Um, I feel, looking at the squad, that they, they, 
obviously should have done better than they did last season and, and will do better than they did last season. That probably, you will say, isn't that difficult. <laughs> um, um, I still have worries about goal scoring, yeah. um, which really was um, dreadful last year. Um, I mean, we were barely over, what, one per match. Um, and as a result of that, I, I worry again about the home form because I, I can't see a lineup that will take any team apart. Um, I, I don't feel as though it is po as positive as I would like to see it. Um, I, I'm probably old fashioned, but I like wide men. I like people getting down there, supplying to the, to the front men. Um, I think I think we I think we will be all right. But as I say, I think we'll be mid table. I don't think we're going to pull up any. Fight. Yeah, I think there's a view emerging from everybody that anything above twelfth looks like success for the coming season. I mean, if you look at if you look at the players that he has bought in um we've turned into red leicester as some people say uh i mean the signing of the lad atkinson is a is a is a fee he's adam webster-esque he's not as good as adam webster because he's a few years younger he's not played in the championship uh, before but um the signing of um uh matty james and andy king to add to simpson i mean nigel pearson he's got people in the dressing room who he knows, and of those, you would say probably only James is going to be the regular starter. Would you agree with that? I'm not sure, um, because um, he's brought in Andy King. He's played him a lot during pre-season. I appreciate that you've got people like Naj Masengo who are going to come into the argument um, in, in midfield, but I think... What he's trying to do is bring a lot more experience into that midfield. I felt last year one of our biggest problems were that we had part-time midfielders or young midfielders who were still learning their trade, and, and we were rather naive. Um, so I like the I like the thought that, that he's brought that experience in, and they've got the know-how, and I think that's so important in the in the championship. And the encouragement to me uh, also is that um, we saw Naj join the, the summer in a totally different role to the one that he played for Bristol City um, or has played for Bristol City. And I think that they may push him uh, uh, into a, a sort of more defensive um, uh, situation and, and play King a little bit further forward. I, I don't know. But, okay. but but that would be my that would be my sort of um, uh, sort of outlook on it. Would you play? Would you play with? Because when it comes to defence, you've either got a flat back four. You've either got a flat back four. Let's get rid of that. You either play with a flat back four, or you do the um, you do the three three central defenders. Now we've got uh, the ability to pay, play three strong central defenders because going right to left, you can have Callas, Baker and Atkinson, two left footers amongst that lot. So that's a pretty powerful central three. And if you look at backup playing in that format, 
you've got um, um, he's, he's injured at the moment, but you've got uh, Cundy who can come in, and dare I say it, Taylor Moore and yeah. Zach Viner. So yeah. if you want to play that that three, you you can do that. But it's looking very much like Nigel wants to play a four, doesn't he? Yes. Well, so I, I would have thought so. Um, yeah. So again, let's talk through this as individuals. We do goalkeeper in a second. Although that, that that's a foregone conclusion, Bentley's a goalkeeper. Um, but let's look at the flat back four. Simpson or Viner for you at right back? Very difficult. Um, I mean, on, on the basis that Zach Viner had a very good season in a in what was a poor season for the team, um, he's got to be found a place in, in my book. Um, yeah. uh, and if you're going to play James or King or Naj in... in in central midfield, um, then uh, I would think that Viner would get it. Um, so my vote would go for Viner. Viner. Okay. And then you've got in the middle, you've got Callas. Now, he didn't feature at all. He had a good European championship. Do you think, assuming he stays, then is it Callas and Baker? or Callas and Atkinson? Because they're two left-footers versus a right-footer. Well, I would imagine that he will definitely play Baker for his aggression, um, which I think we lacked last season in the back four. And to my way of thinking, Thomas Callas, um, on the form that he displayed for the Czech Republic during the summer, um, probably we would be back to being one of the best um, in the championship again this year. Um, I felt sorry for Thomas Callas last year. I don't think he had one of his best seasons, but I think there was an awful lot of responsibility on him, not only as a defender, but as a captain. Um, I, I think, I think um, he started off particularly well then, of course, he got that injury, didn't he? Um, yeah, the first international break, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and he, he never really re-established the early season form. But then he was playing in a struggling side. Um, and that makes an awful lot of difference. And he was being made to play left in a two or a three as well, which is not his natural position. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> I totally agree. I totally agree. But him having had such a good championship and the transfer windows open for another four weeks. Yeah. I mean, we paid eight and a half million for him. Arsenal have just paid Brighton 50 million for Ben White. You know, if somebody comes and Callas has what, two years left on his contract, is it? I think, I think it's two. I think he signed a new one last yeah. year. So, you know, Brighton, if Brighton came across, came along and offered us what we paid for him, you know, that's straight in the kitty, that would go down very nicely, wouldn't it? Well, it would. And, and especially as uh, Nigel Pearson is saying that if we need to get another striker in, and I think we all feel that he does as supporters, um, then that would help um, perhaps fuel uh, another addition up front. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about up front in a moment. So, but for now, Callas is, is, is here. So Callas and Baker for the aggression. Um, Jada Silva, he's got that position all to himself. But I think we didn't see... I mean, he's been here two seasons now. 
and both of them have been racked by injuries with the the uh, shin splints. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't get forward enough, but that's one aspect of his game. But I always think, you know, he's a good little footballer, but little is the operative word because a number of times the ball would is dropped into the space behind him or he gets dragged in. I think he's good, but when Cameron Pring came on against Villa, um, he gives it that bit more physicality at the back. But Jada Silva's got that slot nailed on, really, hasn't he? Well, I think so. And, and uh, um, I like Jada Silva. I, th- I think um, that he gives City that dimension going forward. I don't think he's the best defender. I, I'll go along with that. Um, I think he has been a victim um, when he's played of the system that the City have played. Um, I always felt that, that his best times have come when City have got to force the game because he then gets forward. And, and as an attacking force, um, he can almost play as a winger. Um, his crossing is pretty good um, yeah. in the main. Uh, and so I think we've got to utilise that more. And especially as you've got someone like, uh, I know we're going to come on to this later, especially as you've got someone like Chris Martin up front, who is good in the air. Yeah, no, that's absolutely absolutely right. And if we're talking about a new striker, it's being mooted as somebody that would be big and good in the air. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's a back foot. I mean, it's when you get in the middle, it's a bit of a, you know, let me say we haven't had a midfield since Jerry Gow left. <laughs> or maybe Gary Shelton, yeah? I mean, those are the two players that always stick in the mind. But if you're saying that two of his midfield, and it's whether you go 4-2-3-1 or 4-3, uh, there's so many different combinations. But if you say he's going to start with James and King, Right, as because he knows them, then where do you fit? Where do you fit Backinson, Nash, Alex Scott, Joe Williams? Yeah, well, yeah, and Masengo. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. What is your best combination? Yeah, Nash, you've just said he's had a good, he's had a good tournament, and I think you sort of maybe felt. Well, we talked before we started recording. Um, I think King is he is 34, so he's maybe a player to bring on rather than to start. But a King and sorry, a Naj and James combo in the middle, you would say that's classy because Matty James, when he's fit, is a class player. Adam Naj is a Hungarian international, although. Again, he's somebody that might go because we just don't know this. But if we have a, if we have a, let's say we have a James and Naz midfield, what else do you put alongside them? You know, do you have, as he did at the weekend? Uh, I'm just looking at the side. He had uh, James. Well, he had he had the two holders. He had James and King. But let's say it's James and Naz. Then he had in front. So it was a four-two-three-one. Vyman, Palmer, and O'Dowda. I think Wyman's got a place in the side, don't you? Whatever. Uh, I, I would play Wyman definitely because he's so industrious. Um, yeah, so you've got Wyman in there. So then, then you look in. Then you look in at Palmer and O'Dowda, who are, I'll say, two enigmatic 
inconsistent players. Callum O'Dowder, this is his sixth season with the club. And you talked about crossing the ball. Now that Eliasson's gone, you know, Vyman's got the pace of a winger, but is he a crosser of the ball? And is his best position in the middle? O'Dowder, I don't think he's delivered nowhere near enough in the five years he's been here with his injuries and his mental state because of his contract and everything. Where do you, how do you make up the rest of that midfield, Phil? Well, if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to um, have James um, and Naj, we've then got, as I say, I still think he'll play King. So it may be that Naj will be on the bench. I don't know. Um, but if you say James and King are going to be um, in the middle, then I certainly would play O'Dowda on the left, Wyman on the right, and then um, I would go 4-4-2. So who's your front two? My, my front two would be Wells and Martin. OK. So um, no place... I, no play. Yeah. I mean, look, Jerry Gow, Jerry Gow started playing in the side at the age of 18. Um, Rod Newman at the age of 18. And I was trying to think of one other player. I, was trying, I, I put it on a post on Otis the other day. If you're, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So, you know, you've got no place in there for Alex Scott or Casey Palmer. No, no. Um... Basically, my first team would be selected um, on experience mm. and getting off to a good start. I think that is really important. It showed last season, despite the bad season we had, had we not got those points early in the season last year, we would have really been struggling. Oh, we if the season had gone on for another month, we'd have gone down, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I would... I would personally go for experience in those first couple of games there's time on the side of people like Backinson and whatnot you, Joe Williams I think is going to be nursed back into the side I think he, he was a very good acquisition although we haven't seen him that much um, I think Masenga as well who we haven't mentioned I mean we've got we've got an embarrassment I was going to say of riches, but we've got an embarrassment of midfield players, I think I will, will call it. Um, Alex Scott as well um, comes into the, in, into the equation. So my, I think... It's, it's, difficult. Uh, it's difficult, Phil, isn't it? Because, you know, if you looked at the two teams, if you looked at the two teams, I had this conversation with Angus, if you looked at the two teams that played at Exeter and Plymouth, right, Plymouth was clearly meant to be the stronger team. But in yeah. many respects, I wouldn't back that team to beat the Exeter team 100% of the time. And there's another player that you've not mentioned because he's injured and he's coming back, is Antoine Semenya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, look at him, I, I look at him as being more of an option up front. But what, what, about, what about Louis Britton? Because, you know, we're talking about having a big lump up front or, you know, Louis Britton's... I don't know whether he's signed a contract yet and he scored for the under-23s at Hungerford Friday night, but he, he came on against Brentford. He scored that consolation goal. You know, he's got that physicality. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and if he's fit, 
as you say, we've we've got a lot. We've had a clear out, but we've also got lots of conundrums because it's not like there's a nailed on player for certain positions. No, no, I, t- I totally agree. And 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 you know, as I say, um, I, I've gone for experience as as my first team of the season. Um, purely because, as far as I'm concerned, our home form for the last five years hasn't been the greatest. And we've got to do something about that. And I think we've got to get off on the front foot. um, And hopefully that is a team that will allow us to do that. Because I still think that someone like Naki Wells has got to come good. He is a goal scorer. He's not a winger. He's not a wide player. He's done a... I think he did a pretty good job. Um, uh, I know on occasions it was pretty frustrating, but but I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, and he he is a he he is a, a a clever footballer. But I think his position is up front. Um, Martin isn't the the biggest of goal scorers, obviously, but he is a target man. He does hold the ball up well, and and I I, I think that as I say, we go for experience. And then you've you've got uh, people like Scott, who I expect to be on the bench on yeah. on Saturday. To be totally honest, um, you've got the you know you've, Masenga again. I, I felt came into his own at the end. of He last was one of the better players under Pierce Peterlidge, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah? yeah. But as some people have pointed out, or Ian, who joins me on the podcast quite regularly, forty-six games, and he's not twenty yet, or he's just coming up twenty, maybe very shortly. Right. No goals, no assists. I mean, what is Masengo's best position? Because when he made his debut here two years ago now, he looked to be a very forward, you know, in, in the first three or four games, you thought, my God, we have got this player that looks a superstar from Monaco, wherever it was he came for. Then he went into his shell for a long period. Pearson bought it out, but he's not, he's not going to be content if he's a bench player or not getting regular action, is he? No. Um, but then there are going to be a few like that. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you've got that conundrum. You've got now um, James King, Naj, Joe Williams, um, four very experienced players. Yeah. Um, now, I think Matty James um, is sort of nailed on. As you say, King is 34. So it may well be that he's not going to play... Um, you know, sort of um, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, as it is at the start of the season. So that there's going to be room for manoeuvre. Um, and, and I think as far as City are concerned, that Pearson has done a good job in, in as much that he's got cover in every position, um, bar up front. Um, but then when you get Semenyo back, I, th- I think they've got to play him further forward or of course they they can play him as a wingman and and move Wyman in up front so yeah but then but then you know where and if you if we do that and sign if we do that and sign a forward it makes this accommodating players up front even more complex yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah but but again i feel that, that we mustn't get too carried away with, with the young players there's an awful lot of talent there there's no denying that, Dave. But um, I go back 
to a well-known saying from a certain well-known broadcaster, you don't win anything with kids. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, uh, that's not demeaning them in any way, shape or form, no. because um, I, I think, you know, City's um, production line has been absolutely marvellous over, over the last, what, couple of years. Yeah, no, it's a, there's a whole there's a whole crop coming through, isn't there? Because as we say, we've got the Saluko uh, Seiko Jana, who's a good yeah. winger. We got yeah. Riley Towler, who was given a run out last season, tall left-sided yeah. player to talk about. We got Pearson, Tommy Conway looked good. He's yeah. Millwall. We've got Mickey Belson, who yeah. properly saw him play when we seen him on TV under lockdown. You don't get the feel, but against Villa. He looked very useful on there. You throw into that Masengo. I know he's a high-value player, and Jake and Antoine Semenyo. Then the next level down again, you got that Benarus, who's uh, yeah. he's got, has got a lot going for him. So it does look very positive. I mean, let's look at Nigel's team off the field because I think you know we can agree to differ on a few positions on the field, but Nigel Pearson's uh, team off it probably the best signing that was made was um, Dave Rennie, not to be confused with the balling midfielder of the 89-90 promotion team, but uh, Dave Rennie, um, he's worked, he knows, you know Nigel for 20 years. Um, you know, we won't go into the detail as to why we had so many injuries, but that side of the club is in safe hands now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, let, let's, let's be fair. Um, uh, I think... Lee Johnson um, had a good tenure at Bristol City. There's no doubt about it, um, but was very much a coach. Dean Holden probably was the same. Mm. Nigel Pearson has been given more responsibility for the management of the whole team ethic, i.e. behind the scenes um, and on the field. Not the chief exec. Those, those, those guys will work in, in tandem. Um, but, but Nigel Pearson probably is more of the old-style manager. I agree. As a, as a result of that, um, uh, basically, he knew what had to be done. Um, and, uh, you know, again, he has addressed what is needed and... and hopefully, has brought the right people in. And Dave Rennie um, certainly seems to have, um, let's say, stirred things up a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then off it's the field, possible. obviously, he's not made the coaching changes that some people he thought, although he's had one enforced upon him, uh, Paul Simpson, out for a, an indefinite period, I guess, with the cancer treatment. And then the rumour is that, the, not the rumour is, but the reports that with uh, John Terry leaving... Uh, Villa, Dean Smith wanted Keith Downing up there, but um, he's been out and signed uh, on a short contract, obviously to cover for Simpson, uh, a former teammate of his from Middlesbrough, Curtis Fleming. I mean, do you think there could be more changes afoot on the coaching in the next 12 months, if not the next month or so? Um, well, I, I, think it, I think it depends really on, on the Downing situation to a certain extent. I mean, they, they, they've got coaches behind the scene, um, scenes who, who are obviously doing good jobs and, and, and possibly could, could be elevated at any rate, especially when you've got that intake 
of youngsters who, who, who've been brought on within the club. But, but I mean, Curtis Fleming uh, comes with, with accolades. Um, Keith Downing, of course, um, is an excellent coach. Um, but um, I think Pearson is one of these guys who will look at things and say, well, if I need this, um, I, I will want that. I, 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 I don't think there are any specific... I wouldn't say there are any specifics, Dave, um, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I just feel that at the moment, and especially with the apparent financial situation within uh, all these championship clubs, indeed in football in, the, uh, in general, um, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be um, vast appointments because the money isn't there to, to be able to do it. No, no. So anyway, big kickoff starting with uh, Blackpool. I mean, it goes Blackpool and it's Forest Green, but it's the, the, the league games before the international break, which is a breather for everybody. It's a sprint of five. Blackpool, Borough away, Reading away, Swansea home, Cardiff away. There's no easy games in the championship, but five games in at the end of the month, what do you think people will be satisfied with from a points total? Oh, that's a, that is a difficult one. Because um, then you say that number, you've got to say then, where do we get them? <laughs> I, I mean, if you, if you look at those, get, analyse those games individually, um, and, and you do look back over the last couple of seasons, I mean, Blackpool obviously are coming up but you, you would hope that City have got enough to beat them. That, that is not making it, oh, yeah, that's easy meat. That's a, that's, a, that's a home, you know, bank at home win. But you would think that City should have enough um, to beat them. And, and actually will be a good indication as to what, <laughs> even on day one, would be quite a, a good indication as to what, season, what type of season City can expect. They then go to Middlesbrough, forget, we'll forget the Forest Green one for the moment, but Middlesbrough, they've won handsomely the last twice that they've been there. Yeah. Reading, they struggled against last season. Swansea, they lost, I think, did they lose at home? Uh, no, they drew it home and, and won away, didn't they? That's right. Cardiff, we always seem to do well, or last couple of seasons we've done well down there and got beaten at home. <laughs> um, so you look at that and you think, well, if they had, I think, if they got nine points out of those five games, um, that would be a good return. Yeah, yeah. That's quite a big ask, really, isn't it, based on yeah, the and everything like that. I mean, it's critical to get... Um, it's critical to get an opening day win, really, isn't it? Yeah, because well, that sets you on yeah. the one. Yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, absolutely. and you just don't know. Nobody, no squads have really been... I mean, Lee Bowyer seems to have been making quite a few changes at, um, at Birmingham. But uh, no squads are... Uh, at, at, you know, you know what you're going to get with the teams that are relegated. You look at the teams that have come up. You know, they are what they are. There's no great threat there, but... Um, no, I mean, in, interesting. You say nine points. I think seven, and that's still winning two, losing two, and drawing one. 
Yeah. yeah and that yeah. takes the pressure off just a little bit, I think, from that um, perspective. But, but in the same way as you've got, you've got to get a good start at home, you also need to get points away. I said you've been good at doing that in previous years, up until perhaps the second half of last season. Yeah. Um, but, but City have got to maintain that sort of form because I'm, I'm still not sure, as we said earlier in the conversation, Dave, that we're equipped to, to take teams apart. We're going to have to... I, I still think at home are going to be some very close games. You know, the one-nils, the nil-nils. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and as a result of that, not being guaranteed that we can win our home games, then we've got to get points on the road or early doors. Which is what which is what we've always done. As Nigel Pearson has said, if we can convert some of the defeats into draws, because we had a dearth of draws last yeah. season, yeah. it would be nice. It always used to be known as Fortress Ashton Gate, but yeah. we haven't got into double figures at home for home wins for about four seasons now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and if it was Fortress Ashton Gate, and let's say we were winning 14 home matches a season, yeah? Yeah. I think that takes the pressure off because although there's a good contingent away, we've been the most successful away side for about two years now across yeah. all four divisions. Yeah. That's maybe not as a bit of a bold statement, but you're absolutely right. We haven't got any problems with our away form. It's the home form that has been letting us down. Phil, um, I think we've uh, had a good little chat about uh, things. You know, you've still got the same enthusiasm after, well, this is season 55 for me. I'm guessing you're a few more than that. Yes, have you? Uh, uh, just a couple more, yeah. A <laughs> couple more. As I say, it's the hope, it's the hope that kills. Um, look, it's been great talking. Uh, it was good to have that little reminisce about Terry. and glad that you mentioned that piece at the beginning about him letting Jock and Clive uh, lead the teams out because that's that's a mark of uh, a mark of the man. His selflessness, I think, is uh, the best word to use to describe uh, describe that. And as somebody put on Twitter the other day, that uh, back four of Leeds up in heaven is uh, growing in numbers now. It's pretty uh, pretty strong. But, uh, but there we go. Bill, that's great. I'm going to end the recording now and say thank you for that, and then we'll wrap up in a second. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and time supply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.